Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is the Attack on Titan special event. In honor of the epic conclusion to the show that defines this generation of anime, we're reviewing every single episode of the final season. This week, we're reviewing episode 67, Assassin's Bullet. As always, there'll be spoilers about anything that's happened previously in Attack on Titan, so you've been warned. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, this is an intense episode. Uh, I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm just going to say it. I officially hate Gabby. Like, I just hate her. And I know there's probably Fuck more. The kids. <laughs> there's probably oh, more to her, but I just, I hate her. And I think I said last episode, um, last podcast episode for Attack on Titan that she, I'm just like over her, like hard pass on Gabby. I find her annoying. I, I don't like, I can't get behind her character. And she's officially gone from really fucking annoying to I fucking hate her. And that's that. I think a lot of the anime community has this collective hatred for Gabby now. Um, just to kind of comment on real world happenings. If anyone has been watching YouTube, there are a lot of these videos of, you know, um, Gabby getting punched for an hour or Gabby getting punched for 10 hours. Or my favorite is Gabby getting punched for like 10 minutes, but it's to the aura aura sounds of Jojo. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's how much this character is deeply affecting our anime family. I think I saw one of the comments to one of those videos. Someone said, this is deeply therapeutic for me. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I can relate though. <laughs> or my one friend's like, oh, this will help me go to bed at night. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do want to call out though, that i fucking called it we fucking called okay it. we fucking called it i was wrong about armin or we were wrong about armin being that tall soldier um but we were right about zeke and his ulterior motive and him being in cahoots with the scouts and unfortunately we were right about gabby and sasha i think our two theories were one that gabby and sasha were somehow related which still could be a, a possibility mm -hmm. but then two that because uh, this was back when gabby and sasha had that long stare across like the the road or whatever and we thought the other scenario that would play out was that gabby would kill sasha or at least try to and unfortunately we were correct in that sense yeah in terms of zeke i've never felt impacted or this impacted by a twist in a villain story since um snape's entire arc in harry potter spoilers for you who have not watched harry potter um the second thing in terms of Sasha's death, I think the the show was pulling off that typical TV trope where, you know, characters comment on how everything is hunky-dory and they're glad they still have each other. So, you know, once Connie, Sasha, and John started mentioning those things, once they boarded the airship, um, that was already a bad omen from the start. Yeah, and I think to comment on that a little bit more, and we'll dive into this um, after the synopsis, but... I think we both agree that while Sasha played an incredibly important part um, for the show, she didn't play a huge part in the season other than being very skilled um, in, you know, shooting and basically being a, an awesome sniper and, and being a great warrior. She just didn't get enough screen time. She barely had any lines. So her death slightly seemed like a throwaway or just overly convenient to to kill off her character compared to everybody else i could see honestly the death being either sasha or connie just based on how little screen time they got 
Um, but don't get me wrong. I'm still very upset that she died because she was one of my my um, top characters of, of the show. And now that I think about it, there is a theoretical, another theoretical connection between Sasha and Gabby because apparently they're both sharpshooters, right? Oh, yeah, apparently, because Gabby did that fucking slide shot and killed mm. that fat ass on the on the airship. She just had that no scope, whatever. 360 no scope, <laughs> sliding on fucking <laughs> concrete ground, not tearing her ass up. I don't know. I just, everything about Gabby pisses me off at this point. <laughs> yeah. And overall, with this episode, um, you know, the word for episode six was fuck. The word for episode seven was shit. And I think the word for episode eight would be damn. <laughs> I kind of sound like, you know, Netflix's history of swear words, but... Damn with the side of ugh. Yeah, basically. Well, let's jump into the synopsis because um, there's a lot to kind of go over in this episode because I, I realize with Attack on Titan, if it's not an action-heavy episode, it's a plot and exposition-heavy episode. So there's a lot that was revealed both directly and indirectly in this episode. Yeah, so let's go ahead and get on board with episode 67, Assassin's Bullet. Who's ready for a Reiner Rumble? Because he sure ain't. Hope none of you shelled out a wad of cash for this pay-per-view Titan title fight because Aaron's attack Titan knocks Reiner down faster than the brawl can start trending on World Star. Reiner manages to take back Porco Pig's jaw Titan before Aaron has a chance to eat it, so the Jägermeister retreats with Mikasa back to the Paradise airship. The main trio finally reunites the season as Armin helps them both onto the ship. My boy Levi completes the warm welcome for Aaron with a swift kicking and handcuffing because you done fucked up now, A.A.Ren. Outside the airship, as Johnny Boy directs the retreating soldiers to cover the airship's evac, Gung Ho Gabby follows in hot pursuit, determined to kill public Erenemy number one. Falco Punch tries to stop her and explain that this was a somewhat justified eye-for-an-eye attack, but she coldly reminds him of all the blood on Paradise's hands. Which makes you wonder how the Paradise squad got away with only six casualties on their side? Gabby manages to kill one lingering Paradise soldier and grapples up to the airship with Falco and unwanted toe, fulfilling his promise to Reiner to keep this bitch in check. Oh, and Colt makes a brief cameo to make a half-assed effort to stop them both. What a great brother he is. Once they reach the airship, Gabby cuts the parody squad celebration short by shooting her doppelganger, Sasha Brouse, right under her plot armor. The crew apprehends both warrior candidates while Johnny and Connie Boy tend to their fallen comrade, who deliriously asks where a girl can get some meat around here. As the candidates are taken to the officers' quarters, they are shocked to see a limbless Zeke convening with the Paradise Devils, revealing that their beloved warchief survived Levi's attack and was working with the scouts all along. Back on Marley and Soil, it seems Piek may also be aware of this fact, as she tells Commander Maggot of how the soldier who trapped her and Porco Pig looked a lot like one of Zeke's fangirls named Yelena. Metal Gear Hanj asks Zeke if all has gone according to plan, to which he says yes for the most part, if not for these stupid warrior candidate fucks he calls miscalculations, and believes that they are still in a good position to reestablish an Eldian empire. Hanj then reprimands Eren for having caused them to come to his aid, while he put on a shit show that will definitely pit the entire world against parodies. The conversation ends when Connie Boy announces the death of our best potato girl, Sasha. As Aaron lets out an awkward laugh, Johnny Boy says that if it weren't for the Jägermeister's rogue renegade mission, Sasha could have lived long enough to enjoy potatoes in their most evolved form, curly french fries from Arby's, where they also definitely have the meats she'd be looking for. 
Oh my god, I love Arby's. Now, now I want Arby's curly fries and roast beef sandwiches. Yeah, they have the meat. They have the niku. <laughs> so let's start at the top, as always. First off, I'm wondering why exactly Aaron stopped fighting Reiner after he grabbed Galliard. Um, I, I want to understand that better because he told Mikasa, at this point, I can't exactly kill Reiner. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, you fucking can. Um, and then he says, see you later, Reiner. So I think he sees Reiner as part of maybe his bigger plan. Or perhaps he's hopeful that Reiner will switch sides. So I don't know. I was I was surprised by that because he had no hesitation to to kill all the other um, Marley warriors. Yeah, because if I remember correctly, he was trying to get Galliard's Titan power up until that point, and you know he knocks down Reiner, who clearly isn't fit to get back up. So he could have easily gotten the Jaw Titan back, but. He pulled a deal and he was like, I've seen enough. I'm satisfied. And like Reiner wants to die. We keep saying this. He wants to die. Like it would be so easy for Aaron to just get rid of him. But I don't know. I think there's he's got a bigger plan for Reiner. And I did. I think I called it last episode when I said Reiner would do something important in this episode, but not something crazy. And I think that's exactly what happened. He intervened. He stopped Aaron from acquiring the or obtaining the jaw titan but that's all he did he got clocked in the face i think deliberately because he knew he had to do that in order to reach galliard but that was it and that's all we saw of reiner yeah and i kind of call that like with the preview last week you barely saw any of armor or of reiner's armored titan so i had a feeling like oh this was gonna be a very quick battle and that's what it ended up being um but thinking about it more i'm sure aaron didn't want to kill off Reiner because he knows that Reiner just wants to die, right? So, like you said, he might just have left him alone to to just recover there um, because he has some bigger plan for Reiner in the future. Uh, another thing I want to comment on is it's very crazy how Eren's attack titan can now take down Reiner's armor titan with just one swift punch, where I was actually watching a clip of Aaron's first or one of his first fights with Reiner in the Armor Titan form it took him almost a whole episode to just strategize around how to properly incapacitate Reiner so it's just very well developed of his character to now just take him out in one punch but to be fair Reiner the Armor Titan didn't have its armor on at that point I feel mm. like if its armor is so durable, it makes it like the toughest Titan. I could imagine without the armor, it's a very vulnerable Titan. Um, and I don't really know what you'd call the armored Titan's form in that state. If it was just Reiner was so exhausted because he had just previously transformed or at least made little prayer hands to, to protect Falco that he didn't have the strength to fully form another armored Titan or if it's just because he doesn't have the fucking will to live so he doesn't have the will to protect himself i don't mm -hmm. know what you'd call that but i think um i think a big part of why aaron was able to take him down so easily is because first of all he got deliberately he wanted to get deliberately punched to distract aaron from so he could grab galliard but then also just because in general he was just in such a weak state that i don't think he really stood a chance against aaron in that moment but also keep in mind this was like aaron's third or fourth attack titan form too so even with like that factor of stamina he was still able to even if it wasn't Reiner at his full power, he was still able to take him down. That's true. That's true. I think Aaron's a little psycho at this point. Not like yeah. psycho, like I think he's crazy. I think like psycho is and he's really strong now. <laughs> he's very OP. 
And then next, we finally get the trio reuniting. Mikasa, Armin, and Eren are back together. And I was so happy, even though it lasted like five seconds. But that's all I wanted this whole time was just to see the trio back together. And mm. we got that. But it's not a very like happy reunion. Because when Armin looks at Eren, you can see like there's a sense of disappointment in him. Because um, as we all know now that Eren was kind of carrying on this mission by himself um, without the scout's approval. Um, so it's a very bittersweet reunion, I guess. A hundred percent. I mean, to your point, Aaron or Armin did not look thrilled. He he had this dead look in his eyes. He just kind of reached his hand hesitantly toward Aaron um, when he and Mikasa reached the airship. Just like how Mikasa wasn't super excited when she reached Aaron. She said, you know, come home, look at what you're doing. And then when Levi kicked Aaron in the face, Mikasa instinctually went to him to or wanted to go to him to protect him. But Armin stopped her. And she saw his face, you know, looking so serious yet remorseful. And I think that was a reminder for her, like, look, Aaron fucked up and this is why this is happening. But I think overall, you know, Armin and the rest of the scouts, as you mentioned, were, weren't totally on board with Aaron's plan. And Armin was forced to kill so many innocent civilians because of, of Aaron's actions. And Mikasa also, again, tried to talk some sense into him two episodes ago saying, you know, you can't undo what you've done. So I, I, I think she gets it. She gets why Armin's holding her back. She gets why all of this stuff is happening to him, why they have to tie him up and stuff. Um, and this is basically why Armin and the rest of them aren't excited to see him. And along that note, I think it's interesting that Jean also shares similar sentiments um, in that he questions, like, is is there ever going to be an end to all of this killing or how many more deaths do we need to see before, you know, we can actually go on with our lives and try to seek out like a peaceful, peaceful alternative to all of this. Um, so yeah, it's just another character who is like kind of anti what Aaron is trying to go for. Um, but really quick, Levi being angry with Aaron and kicking him kind of harkens back to when he was kicking Aaron's ass during that trial. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, and I remember there was like a gif of him just stomping on Aaron like constantly from that scene. So that was good times. Nice reminder of, of what season one or so. I did really like how Aaron, you know, Levi said all this nasty stuff to him. Like you look like shit basically. And then all Aaron did was look up at him and say, Hey, chill. <laughs> like he, he didn't try to fight back. He didn't try to defend himself or anything. He just let Levi talk shit to him, beat him up and, and tie him up because, because Aaron remembers that Levi is top dog. Levi is the one who helped him get to where he is now to help shape the warrior that he is. And he still has mad respect for Levi. Like clearly Aaron doesn't give a shit about anyone else, but he will not defy <laughs> Levi no matter what. Even though he's five foot two. <laughs> and then I noted that when Flock was celebrating with everyone or trying to cheer on the scouts, he said, you know, something along the lines of like the new Eldian Empire. And that was my first kind of like, hmm, is this part of Aaron's overall goal? Because we haven't yet gotten clarity into what Aaron and Zeke's big plan is, or if they have separate plans, what those are and how they'll all tie together. So I think this is our first kind of hint at what they're looking to do. And when I hear Eldian Empire, I think is history repeating itself? Are the Eldians going to try to retake the land and, and, steamroll over everybody which is what caused the whole issue with marley in the first place when they first did that many many years ago i think that's going to be zeke and aaron's plan and we'll probably comment this on this a little bit more 
um, once we get around to the revelation of Zeke being a defector in this episode. Um, but my hope is that, you know, they'll still learn from their history and kind of forge a new path in how to establish this empire without being roped into this endless cycle of violence that Eldians and the Titans as a whole are always known for. And our friend Rob pointed this out. I feel like we keep calling Rob out in our podcast. Hey, Rob. But uh, Flock is actually the voice of Giorno Giovanna, Kensho Ono. Which is just a nice touch. Because Flock is kind of like a meh character overall, but when you listen to him and you're like, oh my god, it's Giorno, it just elevates his character. (laughs) Yeah, so there's definitely an all-star cast um, in this season, and I guess throughout this whole show, but particularly this season because we have the voice actor for Tanjiro as Falco, um, the voice actor for Uraraka as Gabby, and now we have Giorno as Flock. And speaking of Falco... He continues to be best boy in this show. I am Team Falco all the way. Like, I know he's on the Marley side, but I am Team Falco. He, when he and Gabby were running towards the airship and he was trying to stop her, um, he very quickly put two and two together. You know, she's yapping away about how this is not right. You know, this is our home. How could they do this? And then, I mean, if you think about it, Falco was probably in that room with Aaron and Reiner for like 10 minutes max. And he was in such shock when he realized what had happened. But even through all of that happening, and even after getting like blown away by Aaron's transformation, he still is able to think clearly and realize that Aaron, the things that he was saying in his conversation to Reiner, point towards this actually being an act of revenge, mm-hmm. not an act of, I guess, violence or initiating violence. Because um, Aaron says, you know, Reiner, why was my mom killed? Um, and Reiner kind of admits, you know, everything that we did was terrible. Please kill me, blah, 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 blah. So props to Falco for keeping a level head. Um, and again, he he's top contender for the Armored Titan in my mind because he's a kind-hearted person. Yeah, of all the candidates, of which there are only two now, <laughs> um, he's definitely the more pragmatic one of or between him and Gabby. And he can recognize the folly of this whole conflict and... You know, when he declares himself as the proper inheritor of the Armored Titan, it's completely justified Um, because I think he is able to carry out what Reiner never could and kind of becoming a bridge between, you know, the Marleyan Eldians and the Paradise Eldians. And I think he realizes that when, you know, Gabby gives him like a farewell, um, farewell message. And at the very end, she says, like, you were one of the good ones. And that's where he comes to this realization that he can't let this bitch take over as Armored Titan because she's fucking crazy. She is psycho. And so that's why he steps up and grabs onto her as she grapples up to the airship um, because he knows like Reiner put his full trust in him to become the rightful inheritor of the of the Titan power um, to again bring this whole conflict to an end that would have otherwise continued had it been under Gabby's watch. And I know we'll talk about this in a little bit, but later on, Zeke calls Gabby and Falco miscalculations. But by this point in the episode, I think he's also forgetting that Piek is a miscalculation because Mm. she very, not quickly, but she realizes that the tall soldier that she kept calling Beardy, which side note, I didn't understand why she kept saying Beardy until I realized that the person was wearing a fake beard. But if you go back to the episode where that soldier's introduced, I think it was two, three episodes ago. 
Um, I like couldn't tell when I was watching it that that person was wearing a beard. They just looked really tall and blonde. So I was like, why does she keep saying beardy? I don't get it. They don't have a beard. Yeah, it's more of like a, a five o'clock shadow. But even then, like I get, I get that it's like, like facial pencil. hair. Yeah. But like I, for some reason, the way it was drawn and because it was, I guess, dim in like the the episode looked pretty dim because it was in the, at night. I just like did I completely overlooked the fact that that person had a beard on. I get it now, like they had a fake beard, blah blah blah. But I could not tell at all when that episode premiered and, and showed that soldier for the first time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Piek realizes that that soldier. Um, was one of the soldiers that was on the or part of the fleet that went over to Paradise three years ago and didn't come back. Um, and that's huge because even if if you take Gabby and Falco boarding the airship off the table, this alone is enough for Marley to put the uh, the pieces of the puzzle together and tie this all back to Zeke and, and kind of figure out what's really at play here. Um, I also noticed that in that flashback where she pecks on the ship, and sees the tall soldier. I think Onion Coupon is next to her, right? Yeah. Or you mean Onion Coupon? Yeah, Onion Coupon. For anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, people like to call Onion Coupon Onion Coupon because it sounds the same. So anyway, that that's who we're talking about is um, Onion Coupon and the tall soldier were on that ship. So I think they're going to be able to put these puzzle pieces together and find their way back to Paradise to to launch their revenge attack on their revenge attack. But also, when it comes to Piek, is she going to die? Because she's still alive, and now she's sitting up, and she's still steaming and regenerating. I fucking hope so. <laughs> You're very <laughs> anti-Piek. Because <laughs> we have friends who are just Piek simps, <laughs> <laughs> and you know I, the internet is going crazy over her, too. But I don't know. Like Again, the whole first half of this show was trying to get us to sympathize with these Marleyan, um, honorary Marleyans, but I don't know. I can't get behind Peck. I think she's, I mean, I'm like indifferent about her. I think she's definitely a skilled warrior because she's always thinking one step ahead of the enemy or at least able to read the enemy very well, but I don't really have a, an opinion of her other than that. And if she's going to rat Zeke out here, then that's just going to make me hate her more. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, she's just doing her job. She She's trying to figure out what the hell's going on. She's just talking it through with Commander Magath at this point. Mm. But one thing I was wondering is if she is going to die and if a Titan wielder dying means a Titan power is lost or whatever that means, are we going to see Colt possibly eat her in order to preserve that Titan power Oh, yeah, because he was originally supposed to inherit the Beast Titan. Yeah. Power. So I know you mentioned mm. there's only two candidates left, but actually I think there's three if you count Cult. Yeah. Well, yeah, I forgot like he was, yeah, he's supposed to be the successor for the Beast Titan, but since Zeke is at first, I think most of Marley's presuming that he's dead. Um, yeah, based on what Gabby said. Yeah, but now that Piek has mentioned, oh, you know, that soldier was one of his followers, they're probably putting that into question. But, I mean... I could see that as a sort of contingency where, you know, if since Zeke's not available and he's probably a traitor, Colt would have to default to um, getting rid of Piek's ass and becoming <laughs> the cart titan. And he'll probably be known as like the simp eater or something like that. <laughs> Who knows? So that scene then transitions into the next scene that reveals, oh my God, Zeke is still alive. What? Oh my God. We, I, the whole thing is like fantastic because 
the you get some banter between Zeke and Levi. You get kind of like this almost united force of Zeke and Aaron. And I'm just like, this is great. And you get the what the fuck moment for Gabby and Falco. Like everything around Zeke in this episode is just so like fun to watch. I know I mentioned in the last episode, I was hoping like this whole battle would be like this three arc where we have this really grand uh, finale. We didn't really get that here, but I think the revelation of Zeke um, being in cahoots with the scouts definitely elevated my interest in this episode. I love when Zeke and Levi are going back and forth. Um, and Zeke mentions, like, if you keep glaring at me, Levi, you're going to make me pee my pants. I'm like, that is just so great. Like, the I, I was worried that through this reveal that Zeke is on the same side as the scouts, or at least working in cahoots with the scouts, that that would then diminish the or remove the whole Levi versus Zeke kind of side arc or like just the the whole tension between the two of them but it's still very much alive Mm -hmm. it's still happening they both hate each other they just can't touch each other at this point because they need each other to progress yeah they need to progress the plan through each other's means um but the fact that again zeke said to levi you know if you keep glaring at me like that i'll piss my pants was fantastic and then levi continues the banter by saying something along the lines of i'm going to save or i'd like to save the best bite for last and side note on this overall one of the things i love most about attack on titan is that no bit of dialogue is ever wasted um, especially this season, you can probably, and as we kind of do, dissect each piece of dialogue in an episode, regardless of the speaker, and it all usually ties into something else or into the bigger picture. It's all very important. So I made note of the fact that Levi says specifically to Zeke, I like to save the best bite for last. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, is Levi going to inherit the Beast Titan next? Because they played on the fact that Zeke only has one year left on his contract, or as they called it, his contract. Um, so he's got one year or less before he dies, and somebody's got to inherit that Beast Titan. And I'm just like, is it going to be Levi? That would be so cool if Levi inherited a Titan. That would be way OP, I think, but it would be so cool. And I like how he has to insinuate that through a, a dad joke. <laughs> and I... <laughs> So like like you said, I want to save the best bite for last. I like to savor the taste. Um, I mean, it, it would definitely be interesting, although I kind of like seeing Levi in his human form just tearing shit up. That's true. He's pretty impressive as he is right now. Yeah, he doesn't need like a Titan power to to make himself even more OP. Yeah, I think he's already OP as it is, but it seems like it's leaning that way. Um, so we'll see if that ever happens. But yeah, it'll still be interesting to see. It's a possibility. Let's just call it right now. We, at this point, are wondering if Levi could be a potential inheritor. Inheritor? I always mess up that word. Inheritor of the Beast Titan. Is that a play on words? We shall see. And that just makes me wonder if Zeke only nominated Colt to kind of throw Marley Brass off the scent of his, his ultimate goal. Yeah, I could see that. And to kind of go back to your point, emphasizing that no dialogue is ever wasted um, on this show, I kind of wanted to piece together clues in the previous season that led to Zeke's defection. And so I had to kind of comb through the Attack on Titan fandom wiki and rewatch several clips from previous episodes to kind of see if there was any groundwork laid for this very ground-shattering revelation. 
And I feel like as with a lot of the lines in this season, especially with the whole um, production of Willie Tiber's play, a lot of Zeke's previous lines and actions could have been deliberately misinterpreted by us as the audience. And it's probably because back then we were so clouded with rage, you know, seeing Zeke's destruction of the scouts with his his crazy rock fastballs. Um, but actually focusing on that scene, he initially expresses disappointment that he had to kill the scouts, if you recall, um, because he knows that they've been brainwashed by King Rice. That's during that battle where Erwin kind of sends all the troops on like a big barrage. Like a suicide rush. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I'd like to credit Rob again here because he says something very interesting where the king brainwashed those within the walls and the Tiber's brainwashed the rest, although Zeke kind of stands out um, above all this brainwashing and kind of sees the bigger picture. Because he had Grisha's brainwashing to deal with. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, as with Aaron's case in his destruction of Marley in these past three episodes, I think Zeke has good intentions for the Eldian race. And so, again, here, the ends kind of justify the means in terms of these Eldian casualties that he had to um, deal with in throwing those rocks over. Um, And I think going a couple episodes after that, maybe one or two, um, before he departs Paradise on PX Cart Titan, he runs across Aaron and has a brief conversation to him. And at the end of that conversation, he swears to Aaron that he will come back and, quote unquote, save him. So another big context clue there. And I remember being so confused when he said that. I mean, I kind of glossed over it because I was like, oh, maybe he just, you know, sees everyone else as the enemy but wants to save his half-brother. But yeah, I was Mm -hmm. really confused by that. But yeah, now we have the bigger context of what that line means um, with this season four revelation. And quick note, um, if you remember... The only reason he cuts the conversation short is because he sees Levi up here. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, he still has that PTSD from Levi. He's like, ah, shit, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to mention is, you know, there's Marley's reason for wanting the founding Titan's power. But I think there's a double-sided reason for this now that we know what Zeke's intentions are. Because as Zeke, as the honorary Marleyan, it's his job to capture it in order to cement Marley as that formidable world superpower, but as like a secret restorationist, if you could call him, um, in his father's footsteps, he's plotting to use it with his royal blood to forge that new Eldian empire that Grisha had originally hoped for and that we hear Flock mentioning in this episode. And even Zeke says that too, like we have a founding titan and a person with royal blood to use that Um, titan power to its full effectiveness and the obvious thing is the whole conversation in the war room if you remember was a very he was giving very veiled statements and he was very uneasy about the marley brass that was listening in and i wrote some of the dialogue that he mentions here but the ones i wanted to kind of point out which really emphasize which side he's on he says the world must be strongly reminded of the threat that island possesses that threat being parodies And that can be interpreted two different ways. And the last thing he says is the fate of Marley and all Eldians rests in this plan. It cannot fail. And I wonder in that room if anyone actually picked up on what he was saying. Like maybe Reiner, but I don't think anyone else really picked up on it because they were all pretty 
pretty surprised by everything that's happened up until this point. Yeah, I think Zeke was just being very careful in his choice of words because he knew that Marley was listening in, but he wanted to get the point across as subliminal as subliminally as he could. And, and yeah. Commander Magath does comment at the end of that scene that, um, you know, because one of the other soldiers, whoever, says like, oh, everything sounds, you know, up to snuff in this conversation. And, and Magath says, yeah, except for that one line of Zeke's where he says, you know, not in this room. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think at this point, Magath's going to take that hint as well as everything that Piek told him and, and put two and two together. Yeah. And I think that you had asked this before, like, how did Aaron know exactly what Willie Tyra was going to do with the whole play? I think the answer is Zeke, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. He's probably, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, he's probably feeding them information on, like, what was going on because he even says in that conversation in the war room like the tibers are putting on this this grand production or grand show to the world to uh declare war against uh against parodies huh okay well there you go i didn't realize that but yeah that makes total sense yeah um so that was my whole analysis of zeke and how he came to this point in the story but the only thing that really throws me off about him is if you remember um, in a past, there was like a past memory sequence. He sold his parents out to Marley um, after he was constantly brainwashed by them of their like restorationist ideologies. And he mentions his like so-called contempt for his father. So I'm that's where I'm kind of conflicted on like, is he really acting in the best interests of, El- of the Eldians? But on the flip side, it, this could have been his way of really earning Marley's full trust um, in solidifying that he is no longer connected with his family who had these like treacherous plans um, against the nation. Um, it could also be that he saw the former Beast Titan wielder's memories, although I don't think we've ever heard mention of who that was. Um, yeah. And he could have had a change of heart. but Or a- he experienced something after he grew up and saw how things actually were in Liberio and outside of Liberio, mm-hmm. and that could have been a rude awakening for him. Yeah. So these are all other open-ended questions um, about like what motivated Zeke to to take this path. But oh, he's becoming more and more of an interesting character in this show. And you know, with this last half, which we have actually officially reached the halfway point of this of this season, if we have sixteen episodes, um, I'd love to see where his character goes from here. Um, and if he does get eaten by levi to get the beast titan power but this is as to be expected for a character that's voiced by dio's voice actor so not surprisingly he's got one of the most interesting characters on the show (laughs) Mm -hmm. last thing with zeke i also like how he had the anime glasses effect oh yeah (laughs) when he talks about the miscalculations in his plan with the glare (laughs) yeah like that that classic um anime feature so after this conversation between Levi, Zeke, um, and I guess Aaron to a certain degree, Hanj comes out and comments or asks a very fair question. What do we do now that the whole world wants to attack parodies? Yeah, that, that's that's a good point. And I think that's something they really need to start thinking about. Aaron kind of brushes it off saying, um, now that we've taken out all of Marley's forces, we've bought ourselves a lot of time. Um, but then she kind of calls him out, like very calmly, but really calls his ass out by saying um, that, you know, he forced the scout's hand in this situation because um, 
she knows or he knows rather that no matter how many times he gets captured the scouts will go and rescue him even if it costs many many lives um and he used that to his advantage in the situation by deliberately being made hostage um knowing that everyone would come back to save him so she says you know you put your trust in us but in return you lost our trust in you see i understand hanja's point but i think the fact of the matter is the world was going to go after parodies anyways which was the whole point of willie tyber's production or play or whatever um i think aaron had a knee-jerk reaction and just reacted impulsively but even then he was right like he was able to decimate a good chunk of marley's forces and their fleet um and it was obviously at the cost of uh six six Eldian casualties but obviously like civilian casualties that need to also be taken into account i think it was eight total by the end of it right? oh yeah eight if you include was it lobov and um sasha of course so yeah i think in a way aaron's actions are justified even though there's that like deadly side or like more mortal downside to it um but this was always going to be the end game for parodies anyways yeah, I get that. And I, I agree. I think that, um, you know, Aaron's plan makes sense. I just think he could have been a little more patient and brought the scouts on board with the plan instead of just going rogue, um, which will I, I want to touch on a little bit towards the end. Um, Aaron's kind of quickness with everything. Mm-hmm. But through all of these interactions between Zeke and Aaron, I'm just so fucking excited for more sibling moments like not like not like fangirl or anything like that but i'm just excited for team jaeger i want to see them kick some ass because zeke mentions that they now have the founding titan and a titan with royal blood so i'm like let's go team jaeger kick some ass i want to see you guys change the world this is awesome because i thought for the longest time that they were going to be enemies because that's a that's a pretty common trope in anime and really outside of anime too is like siblings all of a sudden like are turned against each other and one is good and one is evil blah 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 but here it's like the opposite they first started out as good and evil but now they're reunited and they're working together so i cannot wait for this shit it's gonna be amazing i'm sure yeah and i'm sure it's also the outcome that grisha had wanted um because i think he considered zeke as his failure and so he banked everything on aaron but now they're coming together and fulfilling their father's wishes even if they are very brainwashed wishes. Grisha was like, I'm not fucking it up with the second kid. Like he's like, let me just knock his ass out, make him into a Titan and let him eat me. Like I'm just, I'm going to do this the right way this time. Mm -hmm. And we're saving the worst for last. We wanted to talk about Sasha's death kind of all together versus piecemeal throughout this um, discussion because it does extend across the latter half of this episode. Um, So just thinking about the beginning of, of the end here for her, I kept screaming in my head, close the door, close the fucking door to the airship. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not a good sign. Like, they had that shot where after Connie mentions, you know, you two are special to me, it like pulls away from the airship. And I feel like they were just trying to deliberately, and I use that word a lot this episode, but deliberately show us that the the door was still open. And I'm like, close the fucking door. That would have made all the difference. But the fat guy was still out there. Let him hang. I don't care. You know, he could he could make his way up there and then knock on the door at that point. Like, mm-hmm. let him hang there. And I think John's also equally at fault because, you know, Sasha mentions, oh, did you hear that? Did someone just come in? 
And I think John says like, oh, it was probably Lobov. If he just fucking turned around, Sasha might have survived. <laughs> yeah, and he's gonna have to carry that. Like he's mm-hmm. he's gonna be in a lot of remorse after but, that. Um, but of course, he has to blame Aaron for her death. <laughs> yeah, he, you know that's their relationship. But I mean, honestly, poor Connie and John. Like they are the, them plus Sasha. I mean, they're an amazing trio, second only to Armin, Mikasa, and Aaron. Like. They just have this fantastic bond that's pure friendship. They've been through hell together. And I, I really appreciate it, even though it was clear foreshadowing was, of what was to come. I really mm-hmm. appreciated that we got that moment where Connie said, you know, it's not fair to the others, but you two are the most important to me. And then Sasha, like, just kind of grabs his hand. And then John, being the, the Sundare that he is, kind of, like, brushed it off, but, you know, in his loving way. It just was a perfect final moment for the three of them, even though I hate the fact that it was a final moment. Yeah. I think you see, obviously, two different outcomes for two sets of trios here. Um, the reunion of the main trio and then this loss of life in the secondary trio. And I really, really appreciated that the writers stuck to Sasha's character to a T because all of her lines or almost all of her lines in this episode were about eating. And it was so good. <laughs> it was exactly Sasha in the way that we remember her. I mean, everything that she cared about you know, revolved around food. Um, you know, her last words were, her last word was meat, which was fantastic. Um, when she gets shot, she's like, Connie, you're so loud. I just want to eat. Like, when are we going to eat? And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> she's dying and she just wants to eat. Maybe she just wanted to give them some comic relief because she knew it was, her, it was her last moment. I never would have thought that something as funny and like lighthearted as meat would be so heavy and sad. Like, and and again, props to the writers for not letting any of the characters like break character or like have a moment of like comic relief. Like Connie said it was such terror in his eyes, like meat. Her last words were meat. And it was just so sad for everybody, but like so perfect of a death for Sasha, or at least a way for her to go. Not not, not mm-hmm. her being shot, but just like her last words and, and everything that kind of fo- followed after being shot. And it's... It's not funny, but like on social media, um, you know, seeing people's reactions to this episode, just a person commenting meat will send a flurry of like sad reactions. <laughs> F's on in Facebook. the chat, man. Yeah. <laughs> but I also think that um, while we were talking earlier that Sasha's death seemed kind of inconsequential just because she got little to no screen time this season. Um, it did on the flip side have huge impact on Aaron because after he finds out that she's died, Aaron starts to laugh before he starts to get really, really pissed. And this is important for two reasons. One, this is the first time this season we're seeing him express any sort of emotion mm-hmm. and it's, you know, tied directly to Sasha's death. But two, this I think harkens back to when Hanes died, if I'm saying his name correctly. It's been a while since he was, yeah, uh, Hannes on or Hans or something. Um, when he died in that really like major episode where um, Aaron finds out he can control Titans, he sees Hanez getting eaten by Zeke's mom, of all people, and he starts to laugh. And Mikasa's like, what the fuck's wrong with you? And then he starts to break down and scream and, and do his normal like Aaron freak out. So here we see that happening again. So I think that's a huge sign that this is a very important death to him. Never thought of it that way. I thought he was just going crazy. Well, that too. He's probably going crazy as well, but you know. Mm. One thing I want to mention with Sasha's death 
you know, it, it was definitely heart wrenching and she's been a character that we've seen since season one. Um, but I think I would still consider hers a pretty safe death for the show. Cause it, again, it doesn't really raise the stakes, but I think it's a reminder to us as the audience that kind of like with the walking dead or with game of Thrones, none of these characters are, are quite safe from the chopping block. So I think this is a sign that the stakes are going to be raised in this last half. And we will probably see more major deaths along the way. And just to, you know, be prepared for that as much as you can. And while the shock value was definitely there because none of us wanted Tasha to die, I also feel like they kind of hurt themselves in giving us real or at least elevating that shock factor because first of all it was called assassin's bullet like okay we know someone's gonna fucking die Mm -hmm. before that we had that glare down between gabby and sasha and then gabby grabbing that gun and you know going buck wild um and then throughout this episode in general you get you know them stressing the point that only six of our comrades died you know that's that's fantastic compared to you know everyone and marley getting wiped out and connie saying you know you guys are, are the most important to me and you know them zooming in on the door and stuff it's like we get it. Someone's going to die. Yeah. And it's probably someone that we, we really care about. But it's like I would have liked it to be a bit more of a surprise death because the whole time I'm sitting there watching, knowing these things and all feeling all of this build up, all this lead up. I'm like, I can't like I just it's going to happen. And, and so it wasn't surprising to me. It just sucked. It just purely mm-hmm. sucked. Yeah, I think I would have had it would have been more impactful if it were just like suddenly shown to us. Yeah. But in the end, R.I.P. Sasha Browse. And we do get that moment where Jean is obviously in shock as well. And he says to Aaron, you know, Sasha only died because you dragged the scouts into this. And that is just another point, um, you know, pressing on the idea that Aaron went rogue on them. He did this without their permission, without their buy-in. And there are consequences associated to this. And it's not only people of Marley getting destroyed and now everyone everyone wanting to kill Paradise for sure, but also just within their own circle, all the lives that were lost, all the sacrifices that had to be made, um, just the, the fear I'm sure they experienced waiting however long it's been since Aaron, you know, went AWOL and hoping that it all kind of works out. There, there's so much that was at play here, not only externally, for the scouts, but internally as well. And Aaron's going to be faced with this consequence now. He has to pay the price for this in some way, shape, or form. Although I'm sure because they need him really bad for stuff, they'll probably not brush it under the rug, but not give him as bad of consequences as he probably deserves with Sasha's death, but we'll see. I think he has to learn how to act more tactfully um, with whatever their next offensive or defensive is going to be. Um, Because I think, as John would say, like, with Sasha's death, like it's another loss for their team, basically. And so they really have to be rational and be very calculated in how they're going to approach. I'm sure this is going to be the war to end all wars um, moving forward, since it's basically parodies against the world. Um, so we, Aaron can't act so brashly now, um, like he did in Marley, and he really has to I guess, communicate and work with the scouts to devise a plan that's going to bring the outcome that they want in the end. But one more thing about John, I liked how he kind of put Gabby in her fucking place. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you remember when they apprehend Falco and Gabby on the airship, 
and Gabby goes batshit crazy and warns John to tell his ringleader that the real Eldians are going to carry out Zeke's will. I love that he has this very tongue-in-cheek response because he says to her, like, go tell him the same thing you told me. And then it turns out to be Zeke. <laughs> Which is a great bit of character development for John because mm-hmm. he's usually been the hothead um, yeah. and not as crazy or, or brash as Aaron, but he's had his moments. And in this moment, he he kept his cool despite his best friend getting shot by this little bitch. Like, mm-hmm. he kept his cool. Yeah, so it's it's like Gabby is a reminder for all of these characters of what they once were and learning how that they've matured from that and how she's just basically a representation of all those brainwashed Eldians that don't take anything with a grain of salt. And speaking of Gabby and in the words of Aaron, you know, we're just going to keep moving forward and looking, you know, towards the future of the show. I'm really excited for Gabby and Falco to go to Paradise. I don't really want Gabby to go to Paradise because I was like, this bitch needs to die. But she's going to Paradise, and I cannot wait to see how this all unfolds. I can't wait for her to eat her words and be proven wrong when she sees how the people of Paradise actually are, that they're very similar to the Eldians in Liberia, which Falco heard um, heard Aaron say to, to Reiner in that, that previous conversation. And I think... Um... One quote that she says in this episode that is important in that context is she says, did you see any of that? Right. When she asks Falco about um, the things that he was hearing. But like you said, she's going to eat her words now because assuming that they're uh, they're all going back to Paradise and they'll probably be taken as POWs. Um, she'll see that they are really no different from the Eldians that are sequestered inside Marley. And my guess is they'll probably use Falco and maybe Gabby as the bridge between Paradise and Marley, kind of as a way to convince the the Marley people or maybe even the rest of the world that Paradise isn't bad, which is kind of what Reiner was starting to do with the, the potato story at that family dinner. Mm-hmm. Like he was slowly planting seeds with his family that, hey, you may be wrong about the Paradise people. You may have just been brainwashed this whole time and there's more to the story that you don't know. Um, and so I, I'm very much looking forward to that. And I keep saying it, but Falco is probably destined to play a much bigger role of all of this. And I think that point is is approaching. Because again, the, the entire ending is focused on him. And there's different imagery of him kind of like grabbing light. Like, does that mean he's going to inherit a titan? Um, and he just overall is such a kind-hearted character um, who has the potential to be very influential. So I I'm... Very excited for his character development as well. And keep in mind, like, he is part of the the Grice family. And Grice was one of the, or it was his uncle who was part of the Restorationist and wanted to seek um, the reestablishment of the Eldian Empire. So it will kind of bring it full circle for his family um, if he does end up being that mediator for Marley and Paradis. It's in his blood, man. Good things are in his blood, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But of course, you know, the whole idea of Gabby and Falco being um, kidnapped, not even by um, the scouts, is that Marley will be extra motivated to make it to Paradise to save them, as well as to find out what the hell Zeke's doing and to destroy their their biggest enemy and all that. Although, who is the acting commander now in Marley? Is it Magath? I think it's Magath. Isn't that what um, Willie kind of hinted at before the play that, you know, all the important people are going to get wiped out, putting mm. you in charge of everything, at least in the interim. 
You're gonna put that fat ass in <laughs> control of this country with his like deep sunken like huge eyes. Yeah. He like stares at you, and it's just like. Ugh. I do have another random question. I was kind of thinking about this after Aaron ate um, Lara Tiber one episode ago, two episodes ago, one episode ago. Mm. Um, if he eats a new Titan, does his 13-year clock reset? Probably not, but I was kind of thinking about that. Mm, yeah, I don't think it would. Um, it would be cool if it did. Yeah, I would say it's not like, like your grandfathered in or something. I think it's whatever your initial... Um, titan power was that's the one that's gonna off you i do have a question and this is a question that's been floating around social media in relation to attack on titan there are a lot of people out there who are saying that aaron is in the wrong that he's becoming the bad guy of the story um and i want to know what you think about this because i have my strong opinion but what what are your thoughts that's a very loaded question um i think this show is proving to us time and again that you know our enemy isn't always our enemy um and i'm gonna make another dark knight reference here i could also see that aaron could turn into the person he was originally fighting against um because you know as the quote from the dark knight goes you you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain um i think you know if aaron is kept in check then he won't go into that that deep bowel of hell that's going to make him the the true antagonist of this whole series. Thinking about it, though, if you remember, there was one point, I think in season one, when he's fighting against Annie, where he was just constantly lashing out at her, and he kind of lost control. So there is that potential in Eren, but I don't. I hope like with the team around him, with the scouts and with Zeke, that can be kept under control. Um, but I think the other thing with the show is that you never know who you're going to expect as the enemy. So maybe it isn't Aaron in the end. Maybe Zeke has an even longer game <laughs> where he is actually on Marley's He's side. He's going to flip the script like multiple times. Yeah, like become a double, triple agent. But yeah, I, I really don't know what my answer to that question would be. Do you? <laughs> Do I know your answer? Do you you have an answer? (laughs) I do. And I feel very strongly that no, Aaron is not becoming the bad guy. He has bad guy tendencies. But as I said in, I think, a previous podcast episode, um, this whole thing started, as Falco pointed out, because Marley attacked a sitting duck. A hundred years or so, I think, had passed um, since the vast majority of the parodies people um had or everyone i think had their memories wiped by king rice right yeah or carl fritz and i think they changed they he changed his name to rice yeah so i mean the parodies people at this point in the story had nothing to do with marley and even if they did if some like old fart who was like 100 plus years old did have something to do with it they they had their memories wiped anyway they wouldn't have remembered any of that or acted on that Mm -hmm. um so this this is purely revenge it sucks but it is revenge um and again even falco realizing that even this moment of crisis um shows that you know i don't really think paradise that we know today is truly evil and i think that marley is in the wrong and got a bit greedy they were able to suppress the old 
parodies, right? That that was actually a threat, mm-hmm. but then they got greedy and wanted more by going and, and finishing them off a hundred years later. I'm like, why? Who cares at that point, right? So much time has passed. Were any of you even alive at that point? Probably not. So that's my thought. I don't think he's becoming the bad guy. I think he's acting in bad ways, perhaps, but I don't think he's becoming the villain. So let's go ahead and move on with the preview for the next episode. Um, It looks like this is, or this episode marks the conclusion of the Marley-focused arc, and the series is bringing us back home for one last ride through Paradise's eyes, which I am very excited for. This is it, people. We have returned home. I Mm -hmm. cannot wait. (laughs) Holy shit. It only took half the season. Mm -hmm. It seems like we're also going to get flashbacks to happier times with the secondary trio. And Uh, some flashbacks of Sasha. Oh, my God. Sasha, Jean, and Connie. Um, Maybe this episode will act as like some sort of filler of the four years that passed between um, the very first episode of the season and the finale of last season. And I'm sure we're also going to see like how everyone deals with the aftermath of Aaron's destruction and Marley. Um, I think there was one scene that I caught where I think it's Aaron. Someone's in like a cemetery and they're just in mourning. So, I think that was Mikasa. Wasn't Mikasa, she sitting yeah. at one of the graves? Yeah, I'm assuming it might be Sasha's or it could be someone else's. But I'm sure that's going to be a focal point of this episode. Yeah, I don't have much to say about the preview. Um, it gave us a lot of imagery, but I don't know kind of like what to say about any of it. Um, yeah, I, I'm just I'm excited for them to, to return home. And I think I hoped that we'll get more dialogue around, to your point, what happened over the last four years and how did Aaron get from point A to point B and how will they all move on from this? And this wasn't part of the preview, but this is something that came up in my watch through again of scenes from previous episodes. Um, I just want to put a reminder out there that before giving Grisha the attack Titan power, you might recall that Aaron Kruger, the owl whose last name I think Aaron Yeager used um, as an alias when he infiltrated Marley. Um, The owl mentions Mikasa and Armin by name, and this was years before they were even born. And he mentions to Grisha, because Grisha asks him, like, who are Armin and Mikasa? And Aaron Kruger says to him, like, he doesn't even know why he said those names in the first place. So that's a plot line that is still open, and I'm not sure if that's going to be addressed in this final half of the season or if we're going to get some weird Avengers Endgame time travel bullshit. <laughs> but I just want to put that as a reminder out there um, in case that does come up as as a, a plot line in this final half. My theory, just thinking out loud on this, is that maybe the Founding Titan possesses the power to see the future. Um, because he, Aaron Kruger, who is also Aaron's namesake, um, right? I think. Probably, yeah. He had, I think, both the Attack Titan and the Founding Titan. No. Oh, who did he have? He only had the Attack Titan. It was Grisha who stole the Founding Titan power. Um, oh, that's right. When he attacked, like, that group or whatever yeah. underground. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. But um, that that's my guess is that maybe that'd be really cool if like the founding titan had the ability to 
see the future, mm-hmm. which maybe that's what that was with Mikasa and Armin. Yeah, because I guess the Founding Titan's power is still very much a mystery. Like, we know it needs to be, um, it can only be fully utilized by someone of the royal bloodline in order to control Titans, but I feel like there's a lot more than that, and it could be, like you said, this ability to see through the future. Yeah, because that power is kind of diminished, knowing that the female Titan has a similar power to control Titans. Like, when she screams um she can kind of control them so mm-hmm. there's got to be more to the founding titan there's got to be something much bigger to to this important titan also i think we addressed this in a previous episode um, fossil fuels in parodies was definitely mentioned by grisha in the previous season um, so that establishes this kind of real world reason for marley wanting to invade parodies they getting greedy. Yeah. So it wasn't just, uh, I think we were talking about whether or not that was just a manga concept that never made it to anime. But Marley needs gas. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last thing I want to say about next week's episode, are we going to get a new OP or ED? Oh my God, I hope so. And will Link Horizon close us out with the very last opening or attack on titan oh my god i hope so <laughs> i fervently hope so too they need to give us one more anthem on the level of shinzo Sasageyo because like they've just been hitting the mark with all the ops that they've come out with um it almost feels like a crime if they don't it, i'm mm-hmm. just so shocked by i mean again my my theory is that we got such a boring and, and very um vanilla opening for attack on titan because they didn't want to spoil anything which i could get if, if that's the reason i get that i want to be completely surprised so no, no problem there but you know it's got to be linked to horizon it just has it's almost like a tradition at this point yeah it's almost like it's expected although boku no senso it it did start to grow on me um so you know if this were the last time we watched the op for um shinsei kamate chan's song it, w- it was it's pretty good. Yeah, it grew on me too. I, I don't mind it. It just doesn't feel like an Attack on Titan song. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to our final thoughts. So how many Nikus out of 10 would you give episode 67, Assassin's Bullet? I would give it an 8 out of 10. Almost an 8.5. Um, and it's not because Sasha died and I hate Gabby. I'm not pulling points away because of that. But I would say um, it has tons of importance to the story. And it felt like a five-minute episode, but it just didn't have me feeling wowed the same way the last couple of episodes have. So I'm not knocking this episode at all. I think eight's still a very strong rating or possibly 8.5. Um, but it just, I didn't have the hype or like the energy that I got with the last few focused around the battle scene. But what about you? I would give it an eight and a half out of 10. Um, and at your same points, it's Definitely not the ending to the Marley battle that I had expected, but I think the episode still packs enough of a gut punch, not only with Sasha's death, but with, you know, Zeke's whole revelation um, to really make you run wild with all sorts of emotions. Um, And of course, we have to properly mention this, rest in eternal paradise, Sasha Browse. And that wraps up this special but very sad episode of Strictly Anime. New special episodes release every Wednesday following the new episode of Attack on Titan. And this is in addition to our regular schedule for Strictly Anime. 
You can follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. And check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you can reach out to us to share your thoughts on Attack on Titan. You'll also find more info on Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. R.I.P. Sasha. She told us all good. <laughs>